Welcome back to Factory Sealed. It is February 27th, 2022. My name is Eric Peters. Joining me today, Mr. Dan Curtis. Hello. How are you all? Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello, I'm talking very fast because I want to go play Elden Ring. Thank you. All right, that's it for today. We'll see you all <laughs> sometime soon. <laughs> please, please, can I just go? Please. <laughs> I can't, like, it's, I want, yeah, I want to go play Elden Ring. Yeah, it's, uh, it's ingrained into my soul now. It's one of those games where you just can't stop thinking about it. Yep. It's, to me, it's like the original Demon Souls. Oh, really? That's high praise oh, from yeah. you. Yeah, I just can't stop thinking about it. I want to play it. I want to sack off responsibility. I don't want to go to school. I mean, I still I don't go to school, but I don't want to go back. I don't, I don't want to go back. That was shite. But yeah, you work I'm, at a school. It's a college. Is a college not a school? No. Yeah, it is. It's not. It's a place for idiots. <laughs> <laughs> don't think that's right, but we'll go with it. That's why I work there. <laughs> I have to do marketing to idiots. Are you an idiot? Yes. You're hired. <laughs> yes, that was the interview. <laughs> Just sat in the corner and dribbled. Count how many brain cells you have. If it has to drift onto uh, two hands, no job. Well, I borrowed the family brain cell this morning for this interview. God damn it. That's too brainy for here. How dare you? How dare you? What do you think this is? A school? <laughs> no, it's a college. Get it right. A place of, this isn't a place of higher learning. It's a place for idiots. Well, it's further education, actually. It's in the UK. You get educated in school until the age of 16, and then from 16 to 18, one must go to college. And then at, from the age of 18 upwards, we can go on to university, should you please. Oh, so it's like a community college. It's like the two-year college. I have no idea. Yeah, that's what it yeah. would be. Because your university is like what we refer to as college for a yes, four-year degree. Just, just to be confusing. Yes, that is true. Yeah, yeah that's why you also call it squirty cream. <laughs> See the unwrapped for more on that. <laughs> I'll get a degree in squirting cream. See, squirty cream, squirty cream is life. It's amazing. It's not, though. We have squirty cheese. I know. That's just wrong. Yeah, well, it is. It's we great. have we have cheese strings. Do you get them? You mean string cheese? Yeah, so it's like it comes in a, like a, a block of cheese, like a cylinder, and then you can peel bits off it, and it's called yeah. a cheese string. Yeah, it's a cheese string. <coughs> He's doing the, String cheese. No, cheese string. That's, it's and if you really want to make people feel uncomfortable, you just eat it normally. <laughs> Don't peel it off. Make make prolonged eye contact. Yeah. Also works with a banana. <laughs> oh, I just eat the thing whole and just swallow it. I don't even chew it. I think that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly with the staring. <laughs> <laughs> Good conversation starter. Hey, you want to see what I can do with this banana? Uh, well, we're about how many minutes in? We're on the knobs already. It's because we're 12, Dan. Let's mm-hmm. not try to pretend anything that we're not. I know. Where's... Uh, oh, uh, Tom isn't here, by the way. Tom. So, Tom was meant to be here. Mm-hmm. And then he did have... This time he had a legitimate excuse, so... He did. Not saying, that, not saying the other ones weren't, but this one, this one's legitimate, so we'll give him a pass. 
he will. We, we, we miss him. Uh, but hopefully he'll be on next week for side quests when we will be discussing Elden Ring at length. And Horizon at short. What We talked about this briefly on the Unwrap, right? So Horizon and Elden Ring have launched within a week of each other. Like, this is back when Horizon Zero Dawn first released. It launched alongside Breath of the Wild. So I was loving yeah. Horizon Forbidden West. Like, I couldn't put it down for a week. And I got really far in it, but then Elden Ring has came out, and I've had to take Horizon away because Elden Ring is out. Like, as good as Horizon is, Elden Ring is on another level. And it, it's the same thing here. My kids were loving watching me play Horizon, and then uh, put Ellie to bed on Friday. And she's like, Dad, can we play Horizon in the morning? This is yesterday morning. I'm like, no, honey, I love you, but we're playing Elden Ring tomorrow morning. Oh. It's, it's understandable. I mean, it's just so good. It's just so good. Um, I will make a statement about this, but I don't want to take too much away from what we're going to talk about on SideQuest. But back in 2006, uh, a game came out that gave me such an experience and was so powerful and so impactful that I've been searching for that experience again. BMX Triple X. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> oh, six is a wild time. Uh, <clears throat> no, um, Oblivion. That moment when you come out of the sewers, you open the gate, you step out, and you see the entire land sprawled out in front of you. And there's just that emotion of like, oh my God. I can go do literally whatever I want to do. Yeah, I'm supposed to go up here to see these guys about some swords, but like I can go do whatever I want. And it was just an incredible gaming experience that I've kind of been searching for that same high ever since. And some games have gotten close, like Breath of the Wild got close, but they restrict you to that platform, that, that plateau at the beginning. And it's not long. But still, it's restrictive in its immediacy. This game, you come out of that entry dungeon after like, depends on if you do the intro dungeon with the tutorials or not, but it's like maybe five minutes. And you pop out and you're just like, what do I do? It's, it's insane. Eric, I, it's a sort of a very minor spoiler, but once you get past the first main dungeon and you walk you have a very similar experience when you go outside again and you see the entirety of the map before you and it will absolutely blow your brain into if you thought it yeah. looked big before i can't even fathom how big but it's not just when an open world game looks big it's a landmass it, this also has incredibly incredible verticality both verticality and down verticality yes you mean there's both up and down yep Oh, <laughs> it's oh, revolutionary! No, you somebody you go, needs to contact go, Capcom to, about the whole see, up thing. See, if you go to that location that I tagged on WhatsApp for you earlier, you'll see what I'm talking about. It looks like I'm, it's by I'm, the tree. I will say no more. Okay. Um, the other thing that is really, really refreshing about this, and I was starting to get a little bit of the the dreaded open world fatigue with Horizon. The intro to Horizon, like the first 12 hours, 
is really, really well paid. The whole game is great. Like, I'm not disparaging it in any sense of the imagination, but the the, the opening part of the game is really well paced without overloading you with stuff to do. But once you sort of get past Chain Scrape and past the embassy, then, like, your map opens up even more. You hit that first tall neck, and then they're doing the map overlay. And it's like, boop, 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 boop. All this stuff starts popping up on the map. And something in my brain goes, that's so much to do. Like, that's a lot of responsibility. And I know for you, your brain is like, all right, let's do it. Yep, my brain's like, where's the next icon? Off we pop. Elden Ring is not that at all. Nope. It's basically, hey, here's a map. Okay, great. What do I do? I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Okay, where do I go? I don't know. Wherever you want to go. And the only time you ever get icons is when you discover a location, like a cave um, or some ruins or the Sites of Grace. No, you, the also, only indication- you also get a little marker if somebody gives you a little quest occasionally. Oh. Mm. Um, the only other thing, the only direction they ever give you is on the map. The Sites of Grace will sometimes have like a, a flowing line like a a flowing signal of light which like loosely indicates the direction you're supposed to go but other than that there's no logbook there's no quest book there is absolutely no indication of where to go what to do or how to do it it's the ultimate figure it out game and that's either going you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it there really isn't going to be a whole lot of in between and i can tell you that i am absolutely loving it because it's just free form i'm going to play this game however i want and instead of so the the previous souls games have always been very very linear yeah they were open world but they were linear in their direction like here's where you can go it's very clear that you can't go here this game you can go anywhere but you have to figure out for yourself if you're strong enough to fight through it or not yeah i mean there was in stormvale castle for example there was a bit where uh, on a normal Souls game, because obviously if you fall off a great height, you'll die. But on this one, they're very, very forgiving for falling off a greater height. Have you noticed this, by the way? Very. Like, uh, there's so much difference with how far you can fall compared to the other games. And I thought to myself, I was looking over a wall, and in the distance I could see another roof. I was like, I wonder if I could jump to that. Because I would know on another Dark Souls, on a Dark Souls game or something else that I would die if I did that. And so I did a, a just experiment. I was right next to a site of grace, so I did a super leap off the roof. And then I ended up on this roof, and then I could jump onto different little bits of ramparts, and I ended up in this entirely different bit of the castle that I wouldn't have been able to get to otherwise. Well, also, if you use your horse, and if you jump off of a really high spot, and then do his little double jump right before you hit, you can kind of cheese the fall damage that way. It didn't work for me. I died instantly, by the way, of trying this. Well, there's, I'm sure there's some limit to it. <laughs> Biggest cliff. Off we go, Torrent. Bye-bye. I, I like the horse, though. It's, it's handy. Getting about. Yeah, I don't use him a ton, but like if I need to quickly get away from an enemy, I will. Mm. I quite like using them for little mob enemies when there's loads of them just running into them in the middle and just swinging the sword and seeing them all die. It's quite fun. The horseback combat is kind of bad. I don't mind it. It's all right. I mean, it's kind of bad well it, it's it's all right because r1 does right and l1 does left and oh i didn't realize that i was just hitting r1 yeah yeah so if you if you hit l1 it'll swipe to the left instead well now you know 
There, there should have been something, a tutorial. Dis- something new discovered for Elden Ring yet again. Yet again. Was there a tutorial on that? Cause... I don't think there was, no. Oh. Well, I forgot about guard counters until recently. Oh, guard counters are so great. Yep. Uh, I it was definitely on the tutorial, and then people kept putting messages down saying uh, do guard counters and stuff like that, but yeah, I forgot about it. Oh, they're so good. Why are they so good? Why is this game so good? We need to stop talking about it. We're on retro here, not side quests. We're not on the side quests. Side quests. Join us next week on the side quests, and you can hear more about Elden Ring and how we've just all over the box. Several times. Several times, yes. Many, Um, many times. Disappointingly, speaking of retro games i have started packing up my game room yeah without actually having a house yet right yeah well we got to get ready to move that's the thing well yeah but you have to have a house to move to well i also have to have my house like packed up so when it's time we move in 10 weeks like 10 10 to 12 weeks is when we can technically move yeah but that's not long you need a house well, we, we're moving back to Wisconsin anyway, and if we don't have a house, we're going to throw everything in storage and stay with a family member. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. I just figured you were just going to go to Wisconsin and just live in a tent or something. Uh, no. No. No, I shall not. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that at all. That, 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 that's not how it works, Dan. Okay, good. Are you excited yeah. to move? I'm very excited to move. I'm, you know, it's a huge change. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been here for 12 years and you get back and I, I'm going from the fifth largest city in the nation to a town of like 9,000 people. So a metropolitan area of 6 million to 9,000. It's a shift. Is there a quick access to Starbucks coffee at every junction? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's one you'll thing be, you you'll be fine from. Is there plenty of stores to visit? Nope. Oh. I know. I'm concerned now. I know. <laughs> Maybe I'll just take up drinking. Yeah, that's a, a lot of that liquor sounds like a good idea. That's what you do in Wisconsin. It's it's summer, it's mosquito season, and then drinking season. Well, mixed in you, with road once construction. You, once you get a hoose and you get set up and stuff, I would love to come and visit. Because oh, it's been it's speak. been it's been too long. It's been two, three years. Mm-hmm. Speaking of visit, one month from today, I'm going to go visit Tom. Are you? Yes. Oh, nice. Tom finally bought a house, so oh, I'm going to go up and punch some holes in the wall for him. <laughs> Hank Fist DIY, we'll fly to your location. We'll fuck shit up. <laughs> I can't promise it'll be in a better condition than when I arrived, but it'll certainly be in a different condition. Does he not need his keyholes doing? I mean, I could come. You, you certainly could. I think that our I think the keyholes that he has in his house are a couple centuries more advanced than what you're familiar with. Okay, right. They can't I have, be fixed I have just tape. moved into a house that was built last year, so I'm I'm pretty familiar with the new stuff. Are you sure that those standards aren't still like a hundred years behind? I'm pretty certain. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a lot warmer than the last one. <laughs> I think that's just because you're starting to have hot flashes. Probably. Probably. You're getting through the menopause. So yeah, I'm going to go visit him, help him move out of his current condo into his house and uh, hang out. What's going to be nice is that when I live in Wisconsin, I will be less than a 10 hour drive from Tom, which is 
nothing. You can leave by breakfast and be there by dinner. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, it's it's yeah. a kind of, it's a kind of trek still, like, but yeah, it's not something you just do on a weekend. No, but <laughs> you know, a nine-hour drive is a whole lot more manageable than uh, trying to buy plane tickets and all that. I mean, so, how far is he from Toronto? He'll be an hour and a half outside of Toronto when he Is moves. he still working there as well? Yeah. Wow, that's a canny commute. Yeah, so I think he'll have to commute in. It may have changed, but I think he'll have to commute in two times a week. Right. It's not so bad. So, then. If you had to do that every day, that would be horrible. Yeah. We were supposed to drive back to Wisconsin in two weeks to start taking the first... Uh, first load of our stuff back but then you know russia decided to do its thing and then gas prices went through the roof um so i'm not driving back in in march but then i'm going up to toronto and then i come back and then i have to go to dallas and then i come back and then uh we're gonna go to i think we're gonna go to mexico at some point and then we move so it's a busy couple months coming up yeah and i just want to play elden ring <laughs> I would do that instead. Sod moving. Just like put, no, put all of your other games away and then just leave Elden Ring out and that'll keep you going for the next few months. I honestly think we'll be playing this for months. I think so too. I was looking at Christy came in and uh, she's like, well, what's the next big game coming out? I don't care. Just don't care. I don't even know what it is. Forspoken maybe? I don't think there's really much announced at the moment. Isn't there? I mean, I don't think it'll be coming this year, but rumor has it this year they're going to announce Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two For a release in like three years. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is coming up. Gran Turismo 7. That's pretty big, if you're into that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ragnarok. I don't know what any of this Oh, God, God of War Ragnarok, of course. That's going to be huge. Plague Tale Requiem. Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Yeah, that's next one. I'm buying that for sure. That's a I Final quite, Fantasy Demon Souls game. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm pumped. I, I quite want to play um, uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. It does look fun. You can swallow a car for no reason. I like it. I like it. Oh, Starfield. Who knows when that's coming out? Well, November, allegedly, but yeah. Saints Row is meant to be this year as well. And they've so, literally just announced before we start this podcast that uh, their new mainline Pokemon games are coming out this year as well. Uh, Scarlet and what Violet. What gemstones did they pick this time? Scarlet and Violet. Oh, I don't like those names. I'm not big on it either, but you know, mm. I hope it's just hope it's better than Sword and Shield because I really didn't like it. Ellie loved it. She played through it like three times at a hundred hours each or something. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what else is coming out this year, which will probably fly under the radar for a lot of people. But that um, new RPG by the people who made the Messenger is coming out. Legend of the Seven Stars or something like that. You need to check it out, Eric. It's completely up our poopers. Right up the poopers. Legend? Is it Legend of the Seven Stars? Isn't that Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars? (laughs) It might be. (laughs) Yes, it is. RPG The Messenger. Sea sea of Stars. Sea of Stars, that's what it's called. You weren't even close. It had stars in it, and it began with an S. 
What you weren't you even close. No, this game looks great. Yeah. I remember this now. Yeah. It kind of looks like Bastion. It does a little. I quite like that. I remember nothing about it other than I liked it. I remember not liking it because I got really annoyed with the constant narrator. Oh, the kid, he walked over here and then, then the kid thought about this and, mm. and then the kid did that. But I thought I thought The Messenger was one of the funniest games I've ever played, so I hope they have the same kind of humor in this one. I Did I beat The Messenger? I think I beat it. I think you did, didn't you? Or did you abandon it halfway through like most games you play? No, no, I think I beat that game. Yeah, it was the ninja one. Yeah. I can't yeah. honestly remember if I beat it. I think I, I did, did because there was some plot twist at the very end with the storekeeper. What was that? Must not have left too much of an impact. I don't remember much of that game. I just remember it being really funny. That's all I remember. I mean, it was... I breathed firmly out through my nose at a couple points. Oh, well. Much mirth. Very mer- very merriment. <laughs> Much merriment. How dare you be so happy. Yes. Exhaling through the nose. God damn it. Next, be, next you shall be guffawing gently. <laughs> oh, my prostate. This is quite, this is quite titillating. <laughs> hmm. Two hearty pips to the writing room. Oh, so we need to talk about Tom moving, actually, because he, right, for full context, Tom has had an absolute nightmare trying to buy a house in Canada right now because yes. the housing market is an absolute shit show where basically every house goes for about $200,000 more than it should be. Yeah. Which is absolutely insane. It's, so he's looked at lots gross. of houses. He's done lots of traveling. He's got very, very, very annoyed about it. And then finally, he's found a house, which is for a reasonably decent price. And it's a nice house, which has a lot of potential. But the main thing that you need to know about this house is that it is right next door to a curling center. <laughs> <laughs> I give it. On a conservative estimate, I give it 18 months before Tom's on a curling team. <laughs> really? Or he's drafted them in for his new dining room table. I think I think it's I'm gonna so make funny. that a goal. When I go so when I go funny. visit, I want to go curling with Tom. Please do. I need photos. I need photos. Can we all go? Oh my god. I'll come so to fun. I'll come to Canada. I would sponsor a curling team, the factory sealed curling team. Mm. And then all of our curling pucks, I don't know what they're called, pucks. Stones, They I look believe. like bones? Stones with an S oh. and a T, oh. not a D. Oh, stones. <laughs> they could all be painted like video game characters, like Kirby. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, they're see, not, you know st- what? Still in the cellophane wrap. Yeah, God. Otherwise, the paint would get chipped. Jeez. Yeah, I'm gonna try to do that when we go. That'll be fun. Yeah, I I just find it so hilarious. Like, what are the odds? It's it's better than him living next to a funeral home. I've I would have found that or like a crematorium or something. Yeah, that that that's definitely better. But it'd be yeah. so funny if he'd moved in like Smooth Avenue or something. Squeaky Chair Boulevard. 
<laughs> fire alarm lane. Uh, I miss Thomas Squeaky Chair. Good, good episode that one. He was so annoyed about it. <laughs> he was, but it was so funny. I completely forgot until recently that you put it in at the end of this end of the show. Yeah, I just I found a part of his track that you could hear the chair where he wasn't talking, and I just isolated that and just looped it. <laughs> you did exactly the same for the alarm as well. Like I, I forget so much, like because we've done so many of these episodes now. Like you, you, you listen back to some of them, and I just laugh because like, like, it's my just God. so funny. The stupid uh, things we've done over the years. The st- stupid. Yeah, I, I love that. Like occasionally, I'll pop on Facebook and I'll do that post asking people the best memories of the last year or something, and some people remember the most random things. Like, it's just a throwaway comment from us, but, like, some people find them absolutely side-splittingly hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still we're, think I still think I peaked it um, very early when, I, when you said, uh, does anybody have any other thoughts? And I just said, you're an idiot. <laughs> End of show. <laughs> I think that's an absolute classic me. Love it. <laughs> and that's why I'm in therapy. Yep. But it was worth it. It was worth it. Yep. <laughs> Got a hearty, a few hearty chuckles from a few hundred followers and years of therapy as a result. Mm-hmm. My damaged, fragile self-esteem. Well, you've stuck with me for a long time. How long have we known each other now? Ten years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was, well, no, it's longer than that. It's 11. It was March of 11. I've nearly known you as long as I've been with Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Because when we first started chit-chatting, yeah. you were all like, "I got a, I got a girlfriend. Oh, and she's coming." And you would. It was so funny because we'd be playing a game, and you'd hear the door, and you just shut the system off. You're like, "Gotta go by, shut it off." <laughs> really? It was like a kid who, yeah, it was like a kid who got caught or was about to get caught playing video games at night when he shouldn't have been. Hmm. Chris was here. Bye. <laughs> shut down. I'm like, oh. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Sorry. I always miss when you were living at home and I hear your mom yell up the stairs, Daniel! Food! (laughs) Yep. I don't miss that as much, funnily enough. (laughs) I can imagine not. Daddy! And it was never ready. Never. I just wanted to say hi, dearie. And I I would come down ten minutes later. I was like, where's my table there? It's not here. Well, make your own food, Dan. She's not your servant. Well, I know that, but I was very... She birthed you forth from her loins. I didn't know how to cook until I moved out. Really? Not not well. Really? Yeah. You just heat stuff up together. It's not hard. I know. It's not really, is it? You were probably so bad you could have burnt water. I cooked ham for dinner today. Big ham. Maple syrup. Lovely. Was it pre-cooked? You just had to reheat it? You just had to stick it in the oven, yeah. Yep. Just Like I said, it's just heating food yeah, up. Yeah. That's all cooking is. Yeah. Just when a, do you put that ingredient in? When do you put that? You're just heating yeah. it all up. Yeah. Made a pie the other night as well. That was nice. Welcome back to the Factory Sealed Mediocre Food Podcast, where we will not <laughs> teach you how to cook. Hey, it was not mediocre. It was tasty. I'm saying that our show is mediocre. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. On the cusp of bad, to be honest. (laughs) 
Yes, it is. So, if you could give us one out of five stars, please, on your favorite podcast app, that would be lovely. Speaking of which, let's remind everybody that Spotify, I think, is the best place to listen to our show just because it gives you all the fun metrics at the end of the year. But they now have the ability to leave scores and ratings and not not reviews, but like scores. Review. It's a review. It's out of five stars. So go there. Yeah, you just can't write like stop typing on your keyboard or anything like that. Yeah, hey, we've been trying. It's hard. Keyboards are loud. These microphones well, pick up weird, everything. What's weird though is that if I were to start typing on my keyboard right now, you wouldn't be able to hear it. But it would get picked up on the recording. Hmm. But what's being passed through to you is just a clean line out from the recording. So I don't understand. I don't understand either. You're the techie and guy. And that sounds that sounds like work. <laughs> and all I want to do is play Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, get on the binary domain already, we. <laughs> What's that? The game we played for this show. We played a game for the show? We did. You finished it last night, remember? You I had do. to stop playing Elden Ring to finish it? I do. I do. Uh yeah, let's let's talk about binary domain because I've been waiting very patiently for this game to be eligible for the show. It came out. I think we are just over. Dan. What? Dan, I can't publish this show until tomorrow. Seriously. The the game came out February 28th, 2012. I'm going to go back and amend the intro for this (laughs) and say the 28th. Well, technically, it would be published tomorrow anyway, wouldn't it? No. So, but we we played it before the ten year. No, mark. we didn't. We played it tomorrow. We're releasing the show on its ten year anniversary. Like uh, we couldn't have planned that any better. But I mean, yeah, it came I mean, out I February twenty eighth. We couldn't have planned it any better because we didn't plan it and we didn't know about it. But listen, listen. Some of the best things in life are those happy accidents. I mean, that's what this show has been all about since day one, really, isn't it? Ask any parent. <laughs> Just happy accidents. Well, Ellie's going to really enjoy listening back to this one. No, they were both planned. They were both planned. I didn't want any accidents. So what are you talking what about? You? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you know either. Anyway, back to video games and away from planned parenting mm-hmm. uh binary domain came out february 28th 2012 here in the states japan it released on the 16th that's a really short window there's usually a lot more time between between these games or between uh regions there used to be back in the day i don't think there is as much nowadays yeah there it's pretty much global release but usually especially with a, a japanese style or a japanese made game like this they japan usually gets it first by a couple months but anyway came out on PS3 and Xbox 360. It is a game developed by Ryugao Gotoku Studio, published by Sega. And it was conceived by Toshihiro Nagashi, who created, you may know this, the Yakuza games. Yes, and you can tell. It's, it wears its Yakuza uh, roots very much on its sleeve, I feel, because it's a bit daft. As it well also as- wears its Sega roots on its sleeves. All the anybody who has a history with Sega games 
understands that you can tell that a particular character belongs in a Sega game by how they look. Like their their proportions are just weird. They're big, they're bulky, their hands are gigantic. You know what I'm talking about? That that just that Sega look. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But it is a this is essentially a third person cover shooter. But the mindset behind the game was to create characters with uh, realistic personalities that had a, I want to say deep, but you know, looking back on it, it's not very deep, consequence system that would ultimately affect characters' behaviors, characters' actions, and in the end, the result of the game. So uh, one of the key features of it is that it, it's a squad-based shooter, but you can use a microphone to give commands to your squad mates like charge fire cover me or respond to them in conversation so as you're walking around there'll just be organic conversation happening about the storyline or about some character interactions and they'll ask you a question and you can respond and how you respond affects their um, trust rating in you it'll either go up or down and depending on if it goes up they have more trust in you and then they'll listen to your commands in battle or it will affect something that we'll talk about later towards the end of the game. If they don't trust you, you know, if you give them an answer they don't like, or if you shoot them in battle, which is kind of hard to avoid because they just meander about in front of you aimlessly quite frequently, they will not listen to your commands. So if they don't have high trust in you and you tell them to fire or charge or cover you and they don't trust you, they'll say no and won't do it. So it's a really neat concept that uh, I personally think was executed very very well because i got this game as a review copy when it first came out and i was so blown away by it i tried to get all of you guys to play it and nobody else picked it up it sounds like that's true in general according to wikipedia it only sold twenty thousand copies in these states Twenty thousand? that seems real low yeah that's why it's considered a commercial failure whoa and it only sold 75,000 copies in Japan. Mm-hmm. Which is a real shame because this is actually a pretty damn good game. Um, but I want to talk about the voice recognition first of all. So I played this on Series X. It's actually Series X enhanced uh, with 60 FPS, which is very nice. I wish I would have played it on Series X because going back, I played it on PS3 OG hardware. Ooh, it's hard to go back to that controller. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and... So the voice chat didn't work with my headset at all, no matter what I would try. I don't know if it was the delightful Geordie tones or the headset in general, but it would not pick up anything I said. So I played it without the headset using the standard uh, shoulder button and using the face buttons to select responses. But some of the responses to... uh, So obviously it's a limitation of the voice system. So you get basically one-word answers like, okay, or they'll ask you this really deep question and then you'll just go... Shit! <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> I'm like that doesn't fit in the context of the conversation at all. Oh, that was a great shot, Dan. What do you think? Damn it! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> so I, I, I was like doing that in my head every time I see it. Um, yeah, what I loved also, was occasionally it would pop up. You could just say "I love you." Yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah, the, the, you, your team would praise you or something like i love you (laughs) it was usually with the woman 
Yeah. I had um, pop up for Bo a couple times. Now, so this really weirded me out this game as well because the main character is called Dan Marshall. So everybody was calling him Dan and it's it's so odd to be called your name in a game because no other game character has ever been called Dan as far as I can that's remember. That's Tom's dream. Any any game he plays, like, that's Tom, that's me, I'm in yeah. there. That's, you know, yeah. it was that's like Tom. The, it was like the ultimate immersion. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it was really cool. That's probably I mean, why it Forza, Forza Horizon 5 does it when it calls you by name, but not to this extent because obviously this character is called Dan and baked into the storyline. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was really odd, but quite cool at the same time. Apparently, the game's AI is able to recognize six languages. That's impressive. Yeah. Like, it just lists it, English. What a and shame Japanese. this game only sold the amount of copies it did. Because there's clearly a lot of love being put into it and a lot of depth, well, they, actually. They really, ha- it, just in like playing back through the game again, you really see that they had kind of a grander ambition for this storyline, which I'm going to say this storyline's fantastic. I really like the world that they've created. It's interesting because if you if you play the game and judge it based off of like its first 30 to 45 minutes, you're like, wow, this is generic. And then there's a story beat that happens and you're like, oh, okay, I can get behind this. So the long and short of the story is that it takes place in a world where global warming has run rampant and all cities have, so ocean levels have, have risen forcing cities to rebuild above the waterline and it's kind of like a final fantasy 7 type thing where an old city or a new city gets built on top of an old city with the slums underneath and and all of that but um the there's a there's a a company called bergen robotics who stole a bunch of technology patents from amada corporation and their uh their patents were around humanoid robots and this went directly in contrast to the new uh, new Geneva Convention. So before the start of the game, and they show you this a little bit later, but you're part of a rust crew who's responsible for going in and eradicating violations of this new Geneva Code. So once you get past this opening mission, it shows a little bit of a flashback at the, the Bergen headquarters, and there is somebody who busts into the headquarters and and uh, is threatening people with a gun and they end up shooting him and you come to find out that this guy's a robot and that releases or that that kicks off the story of the hollow children and essentially what had happened was the Bergen corporation had started developing or the Omni corporation had started developing robots that looked indistinguishable from humans and they thought they were humans so this rust crew gets sent in to go extract Amada to bring him back to the states for questioning, and that's all you, your uh, Dan Marshall and um, what's what's the other guy, Roy Botang, big big huge burly dude, big bull, big bull. Yep, you're tasked with going in, and you have to go infiltrate Japan through the seawall, and you end up in the slums, and then you get introduced to the concept of Hollow Children, where there's there's a, a an underground resistance movement and one of the guys gets shot and reveals that he's a robot. So um, there's some really, really cool themes at play here because right before that, that robot in the slums dies, everybody's like anti scraphead. there. There's a lot of racial tension in the game between humans and, and robots. Um, 
this guy who genuinely thought he was human like has this really existential experience where half of his hate face is hanging off and he's he's looking at you and it's like i don't i don't want to die and dan marshall uh looks at him and he's like you can't only humans die and right before he gets shot uh this this hollow child robot just kind of like slumps to his knees and he he puts his head in his hands he's like what am i and then just gets obliterated so yeah it's kind of about the underlying theme is like that racial tension and also like what makes a human human yeah. isn't it it's kind of and it it's, it really kind of makes you feel for the hollow children in a way because it's like they just kind of they don't even know they're robots they just want well it, and it gets even like we'll talk about it in a minute i don't want to get too far ahead of it but i forgot how like how many I don't want to say plot twists. I feel like that's a little over dramatic, but like how many revelations happen in that last hour of the game? Like, whoa. Okay. I mean, this is already really cool up to this point. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? Like that. Oh, shit. And it just keeps going and going and going. Like the last hour and a half of this game are insane. Yeah. It's it's really good. It's uh, I honestly expected all along that uh, Dan Marshall would be a hollow child. And I, so, was, I was kind of disappointed with that. I thought that would be the they, twist. They made an allusion to it. Did you catch that? Yeah. And it was like, and he said, said I'm definitely human. I was like, but how do you know that you're human? Right. He's like, yeah, we, you know, I grew up, I grew up in Nebraska and, and Bo, you and I were special forces together. And it's like, those could have been implanted memories. Like, yeah, I feel like that's something that would have been potentially expanded upon in the clearly planned sequel. Yeah, but obviously this game flopped massively, so there was Big no sequel, time. which is a but real shame. A real I shame, because honestly, this 20, is one of the best games we've played in a long time. In 2018, oh, I'm glad to hear you say that, because I've been dying for you guys to play this. 2018, the producer said that he would be open to uh, investigating a sequel to it, so I, I'm going to still hold out hope that at some point they do, but I think they would almost need to do a little bit of a... a a rebirth of this game. I wonder it why it flew so far under the radar, though, because it, obviously it, it wears a lot of resemblance to Gaze of War. So but I'm looking here to see what other games came out around that time. Resident Evil Revelations came out. Right. But that was a 3DS Jack and Dexter collection, House of the Dead, Fallout, New Vegas Ultimate Edition. Right. There's a lot of games that came out that year. That, yeah, that exact I mean, month. it's just it kind of... I, maybe the marketing wasn't very good. I don't know. Or people were fatigued with Gears of War by this point. I don't know. Um, but it, it, like as I say, it is clearly it's very much a cover shooter of that era, with where you'll find chest high walls and conveniently stacked boxes everywhere for you to clamber behind and wait out. So interestingly, on this game though, you don't actually, as far as I know, kill any humans except one. At the end. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so it's all about fighting these robots, which are basically used as security drones. And in true Sega fashion, you'll have these truly epic boss battles against these absolutely huge robots, like really cool ones. There's a giant spider robot, and then the, the first one where you have to shoot the rocket launcher at it. And what are the other ones? I'm going to look them up here, but quick... Uh Easter egg about the spider boss. You fight him in the middle of this gigantic city square and there's skyscrapers everywhere. They actually, 
animated that character so many times that there's a, a, a ton of different variations on how he'll respond with his animations depending on which parts of him you destroy. So he's got his, I think he only has four legs, but if you shoot off three of his four legs, instead of like just falling to the ground, he'll actually like, they reanimated him so that he'll have a whole new set of animations where he bounces around on one yes, leg. Yes, like I noticed that. That was really cool. I was so yeah. surprised. It's like so complex, like for the time as well. Really good animation. Yeah, the I'm trying to see if there's a, an easy boss list. There was the gorilla that you're fighting through um, in the tunnels. He was a pain in the dick. Yeah, I didn't like that one as much. So you where you had to load all the bullets into that big gun. Yeah, but he would just come and come around and hit you every time you were using the big gun as well. Yeah. See if there's a, a I probably should have pulled this up before, but probably, but you know. So to, let's talk about the the combat itself for a second here, because this is another really unique aspect to the game. When oh, you shoot a, people, a Cerberus boss, which is a like dog. Oh yeah. Um, when you when you shoot the enemies and kill them, you get points that you can use at the shop to either upgrade your stats, like how many rounds you have in your bullets, your range, your damage, your accuracy, and your firepower. But depending on where you shoot people, you get more points. But also, the enemies are dynamic in their response. Since they're robots, if you shoot their leg off, they'll crumple to the ground, and then they'll crawl around and continue to try to fight you. If you shoot their gun out of their hand, which you can do, they'll search around for another gun on the ground to pick up. But if you shoot them in the head, they will lose their ability to sense you as an enemy, and they'll actually just start to shoot whoever's nearby, including other robots. So there's a lot of there's a lot of strategy involved with like dealing with large amounts of of robots and you will come into an area where there's just tons and tons of robots and at the time it was really neat. You're just seeing scrap flying everywhere. You throw a yeah, grenade there's, there's body parts. Decent particle physics in this as well. With all the stuff going on and I for the most part I think I targeted legs and moved upwards as I was shooting well, the legs. Um, the, the people with the shields, they would come marching out and like, oh, I can see your toes. And you blow yeah. their feet off and then they would yeah. crumple down. But it's a really tight shooter as well. So when you're actually shooting at them, it feels really good. It, it feels see, like it feels like a good third person shooter. And I disagree. Oh, if okay. you're playing on PS3, it was wildly inaccurate. Oh, I thought it was I quite felt accurate. Like, I felt like I was just spraying everywhere. So that's kind of why I'd like to try it again on Series X, because mm-hmm. if you say that it's really tight, that's probably, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was bad. It's just I couldn't be very precise. I wonder if it's a frame rate thing. Was this running in 60 on the yep. Series yeah, X? It runs in 60, yeah. yeah, it was running in 30 for me, and it was... Mm-hmm. It was rough, you know, especially coming from playing a ton of Warzone where it's like really tactical, really tight shooter. And now this, it's just, I felt like I was just all over the place. If I were trying to like quickly zero in on someone's head, I couldn't. It just felt like old school Gears of War to me, basically. Yeah. Which which I really enjoyed at the time. I was very in for Gears of War 2 and th- 1 and 2. Um, really, enjoy, really enjoyed them and I really enjoyed this as well. And I think for the most part, I just used his standard machine gun. All the way through. Mm-hmm. Well, because so, that's the only one you can really level up. Yeah. So he has his standard machine gun, and you can also pick up enemies' machine guns, and there's a sniper rifle and a shotgun and a couple of different handguns. You also have this kind of electrical EMP charge move, which you can replenish, and you get a few shots from that. I, I didn't really use that a whole lot. That. 
I think you had to use it at a couple of points to blow up some barrels. But other than that... Yeah, and you had to use it at the very end. Mm. Uh, but other than, So I basically stuck with his main gun, and I basically, every time there were upgrades available for him, I would just pump them into him rather than I the other. I pumped everything into accuracy to just try to get it to stop swaying around so much. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, it basically it gives you like different things like uh, amount of rounds in your gun or accuracy or damage done. And by the time I got to the end, like I was just shredding robots instantly oh, yeah. as soon as I shot them. It's really let's talk cool. about the let's talk about the other characters that you because it's not just Dan and and Bo. You come into town and or you come into the slums and you have to meet with. Um, why am I? You you have to get up to the surface and I'm I'm drawing a blank on the the drug lord's name that you have to that you have to meet these little kids take you to meet him anyway but then you come across a chinese liberation officer named fei li who kind of joins your party so now you've got a team of three and she's been um, transferred to the rust crew to help out as well quickly discover that there's another french rust crew or another uh European Rust crew on on route, and you have to link up with them to get into the Amada Corporation. And this is where you meet, hands down, the coolest character in the game. And it's kind of a really neat reveal because you're you're being chased around by these police officers who are trying to apprehend you. And this van rolls up in front of you and opens the door, and you get in, and it's this like big burly British dude who turns around and then tells his drivers like, punch it. And then it pans over and you see this like really dapper French robot go, wee, wee, okay, and he <laughs> presses the gas and takes off. And up to this point, like you've been you've been uh, taught to hate the robots in this game. And here you are like now relying on a robot to get you out of this situation where you have to be shooting these enemies that are coming at you and he's driving. And his name is, is uh, CN7, but he goes by Kane. And he's so funny. I love him. He's actually not just my favorite character in this game, actually one of my favorite characters in games because he's just so funny and so like over the top French and so just it's really a big really a big stereotype but it's just so well done and it's so funny. Uh, he just cracks me up and he's going like Dan, your aim is magnifique. <laughs> it's like, like, is so Monsieur, good. do you need my assistance? <laughs> Like he sounds like the 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 candlestick from Beauty and the Beast. Yes, it's so freaking funny. He is he was in my party one hundred percent of the time. Me too. Me too. All the time. And he's got he's he's so badass because he goes in with just a pistol. That's all he's got. A machine pistol. But it's yeah, so but still, it's a pistol. Yeah, he just walks forward though. He just like just blows everything away. It's like he does that multiple times. He's dead cool. He's he's so French. He's so dapper, and. You learn to like really love him because he has to then prove himself to you and and the team that's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm I, I, I guess he's not that bad. He's mm. he's a robot, but he's on our side. So the game gives you kind of the ability to choose your party at certain points, but it also at certain points takes away different party members, so you're forced to use the others. Mm-hmm. To an extent. Like there was that British girl called Rachel, and I thought she was just there she didn't really do anything of note in the entire she game was yeah she was a interesting character yeah she, she just she's just there like she she gives nothing to the storyline other than the fact yeah. that she's there um 
The British guy, Charles, he's kind of the commander of the operation. He has a bit more to do with the overall arching storyline. And um, But then I would say the main character is probably Dan, uh, bore to an extent, but he kind of goes off towards the end. And yep. I would say it's mainly a story about Dan and Fear more than anybody. Uh, yeah, they, they develop a romantic interest, which when it happens, you're like, oh. This feels shoehorned in because she takes the bullet for him and gets shot in the arm and he's patching him up or patching her up. I hear that kind of point, thing on games like this, though, because like she's taking a bullet in the arm, but like it, you get shot all the time, like literally yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and up to this point, it was I sent you guys a message about this. The first up, up to the point where Faye takes the bullet, the game is almost sexist. With some of the comments that are made, like as soon as Faye gets introduced, Dan and Bo are just like middle school teenage boys just drooling and making really inappropriate comments. Uh, that's where you can start like saying the the whole I love you and there's gratuitous camera shots and then it just kind of like stops. I, th- I think it's kind of like they're meant to be very macho men and then they kind of realize that she's actually more of a badass female. Right. And that they shouldn't be behaving in this way. And I, that's the way I interpreted it anyway. But I think if you look back at it with a modern lens, maybe, yes, it is kind of a bit sexist at the start and stuff like that. But yeah, like I, I did notice, like you say, the change, which is very much appreciated. Like I, I thought she was really badass by the end. And not yeah. just like she's clearly there for eye candy. Like she's a good looking woman. But like. So there's there's that part where she's he's patching her up and they make love and you have Kane standing outside and and uh charles was trying to walk in there and Kane just grabs him by the collar and starts dragging him out because just giving them a little bit of their privacy but it's kind of a throwaway moment in when it happens but then it actually that individual scene plays very very heavily into what happens at the tail end of the game and is, is critical to the story and then sets up the entirety of a, a potential sequel so i'll see if i can paraphrase it, or do you want to take a stab at paraphrasing it paraphrasing what what happens and why that whole scene with him and uh so basically it's found out through the other characters are when you invade a Marder corporation they find a disc which has information about the hollow children on it and mm-hmm. the hollow children it turns out are actually capable of reproduction um so they can because they look and basically are essential humans but with metal skeletons underneath so they can actually birth children so it from turns out, humans what yeah they can they can mate with a with yeah so they can mate they can human. mate with a human and the resulting child is a hybrid of the hollow children and a human but nobody knew this was happening so then it turns out that they discover on this disc that one of these hybrid children is actually fear herself so yep. then she becomes an enemy because they need to kill all of the hollow children and their spawn, basically. And it becomes kind of this, will will he kill her? Because he's questioning his morals now. Like, he's not all against scrapheads. He likes Kane. He's started to realise that he's fallen in love with an actual, basically... She is basically essentially a human, but because she's the hybrid offspring, apparently they're resistant to diseases and stuff like this. This is kind of... The idea of the villain, he wants to... He is a hollow child himself, and he was one of the first ones created, and he killed his creator, and then he wants to 
basically turn humans into these hybrid children so that they can eradicate disease and become the best version of humanity. Yes. How, how's that for paraphrasing? Is that all right? Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, that that's exactly. <laughs> so it, it was an interesting like shift because how quickly everybody went, oh, no, we now have to kill Faye because she's a direct violation of the new Geneva Convention. So let's kill her. And it puts Dan in the middle because obviously there's a love interest there. But Dan has an underlying set of morals, and um, it was it was See, interesting. This is, this is still really strange when you call them Dan. Because <laughs> they're going to talk about me. <laughs> well, it was interesting because it, it flips back to the the NATO uh, the NATO st- uh, strategy room, and there's a comment that's made something along the lines of, you know, they're, they're like, "Well, do we need to kill these people? Like, what's the rationale?" Blah blah blah. And, one of the commanders is like, well, the last thing this world needs is more racial tension, talking about, you know, obviously there's normal racial tension and there's racial tension between humans and robots. And now it's going to be, well, are you part robot? And technically they're not, but they were birthed forth from a robot. And it, it's just a it's a really interesting commentary on the the future of society and where people place their their values and what's important to them. So you get into, you get end up getting into a fight with Faye, and it's alluded to that Dan bests her and kills her, and the rest of the team recognizes that's got to be hard for him, and Dan says, just give me a minute. So they all take off, and then it pans back, and you can see that Dan didn't shoot Faye in the head, he shot next to her, and he's like, well, you know, I guess we're even now, I owed you that one, because she took a bullet for him earlier, and he lets her go and they meet up and, and come to find out that this Beetle One, who is the, the commanding officer for the operation that you're in conversation with throughout the game, uh, he's actually the main bad guy because they want to preserve the artificial intelligence that was created by Amida or that then birthed forth itself to kill Amida because you come across Amida's corpse uh, preserved and then are confronted by his own hollow child who imprisoned him in this building anyway uh the the general comes out and says can't let you blow up this ai we need it we're going to utilize it put it to work and it'll become our technology and that's actually where Bo turns on you too and you dan are the only one who doesn't know what's going on um there's a missile strike coming in. He's here to grab the AI, kill all of you guys, take off, and nobody's going to be any wiser. And you end up having to fight this lieutenant at the end of the game, and then uh, Faye shows up and ends up basically saving the day. No missile strike is inbound because the Amida Corporation took over the Milcom satellite network and basically passed on autonomous AI to all of these warships, basically saying, oh... Is this a valid command or not? And they deemed it to be not a valid command in self-preservation. So the missile never comes in. They end up killing Phillips and they let Faye go on her way and goes back to the UN and they basically say, all right, there's 108 hollow children out there. We have Russ Cruz dispatched to kill all of them. And that's where the game ends. So clearly set up with a sequel. And then after the credits, there's a scene with with Faye walking through uh, an alley and she gets confronted by a bunch of robots and then Dan shows up and kills her. With or a flip, kills a uh, flipping minigun or something. Yeah. 
Well, he's somehow he's screaming, but his mouth is completely closed throughout the entire scene. So he kills all the robots and uh, those two make out and run off into the sunset together in a clear sequel setup. Yeah. And I think a potential sequel would have had an exciting storyline to tell. I'm so disappointed this game didn't get a sequel. Me too. Honestly, like talk about a game that didn't sell well, but deserved so much more. This could have really, been could have been a big franchise for Sega if it sold well. It was really cool to see the community posts about this. Everybody who played it along, a lot of people actually played this along with us and and beat it. Um, reading their comments on it, it was everything that I was telling people about for years. Like why this is is so good. Uh, Hesley wrote, rolled the credits on binary domain. And I got to say, this is one of the most enjoyable games I've played in a long time. Definitely top 10 for this year. Play this game if you like gear-style gameplay, plot twist, funny one-liners, plot twist, multiple endings, and apparently cup noodles. Uh, Fun fact, this was Sega CS Studios' first game, and sadly, they didn't develop a sequel. They did, however, make all the Yakuza games. Phil Gartside officially joined the Completed the Binary Domain Club. Absolute balls-to-the-wall fun. Great game. Two highlights for me. Kane, the French gunslinger, cool as fuck robot, and the bit where you have to defend an area while one of your buddies takes a dump. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Oh, yeah. That's, that was so funny. But yeah, I mean, that was quite cool to chuck in a game, because they never go to the low on games, do they? No. No. But you would need but, a shit in the middle of a battle occasionally. Jonathan Weaver played through this entire game in one sitting he said so i started it and just couldn't stop i pulled my first official dan curtis today uh, started it and beaten in the same day better plot twists and link between worlds i don't let's not get ahead of ourselves here i mean Had it me is the best plot off. twist of all time it is i still don't i still don't see it coming and i've played it before that's how insane it is mm. Had me laugh my ass off, surprising amount. Mostly enjoyed the combat mechanics, and as generic as the story first seems, it's extremely unique in many of its own ways. Haven't played a game alongside the show in a bit. Super happy I chose this one. Damn good choice, Mr. Peterson. Man has good taste, everyone. Maybe listen to him this year and play Condemned Criminal Origins for Halloween. I, I, I draw the line at listening to him, but okay. Yeah. This was a good choice, Eric. I, I mean... It, a very, was, very, very hearty pip pip for me on this one. I enjoyed it. Uh, I was playing it in between lots of different other games as well, but I kept going back to it. And I was like, every time I was playing it, I was like, yeah, this is good. This it's fun. I it's mean, fun, it could have yeah. been so much more. It, it in in hindsight, if you look at it with like a very objective lens, it is kind of a generic game. They could have done a lot more with the with the combat. Did you play around with the upgrade system at all? For your characters, you can buy those little like colored nodes. Yeah, but I thought they, I thought I would like be able to expand that further, so I could I could equip more. But you can't, so I just left. There's it. not even there's not even enough for some of the characters to flesh out their entire entire grid. Yeah, it depends on what store you go to. The different stores are different nano machines, son, for you to buy. Nano machines. <laughs> That's what they are. They're nano machines. <laughs> yeah, but you said nano machines, son. I did. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it could have been much more robust, but for what it lacks and that it makes up for in just sheer enjoyment, the bosses are so much fun, just huge. Like you said, scaling bosses, large set pieces. I, I like just the daft set pieces, like the bit when you're on the truck and you've that 
thing that looks like the uh, enemy of Final Fantasy VII, where you're on the highway. Where it's oh, coming, yeah. And you're in the truck and you're fighting it. That was really cool. Um, and then there was, like, in the car with Kane, where you're fighting all the different police robots. And then there was another one on the jet skis, which was quite fun as well. And The, the jet skis you, the were bits, pretty bad. The bit when you slide down the seawall at the start as well. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. The one. biggest wall in, in the world, apparently. What about what about when you walk into the Amida Corporation and Charlie makes this really bad statement about the look at that chandelier? You guys like that crap? And it's like, oh well, that's some foreshadowing. And then that ends just a gigantic chandelier boss. With oh a bunch god, of snake yeah, arms. that was a cool boss. Yeah, he was pretty neat. And you climb um, up his tentacle. Oh, the uh, you mentioned the Cerberus one. There was a comment that I wrote down where Rachel has one of the worst lines in the game. She jumps up on top of this crate and she grabs out her LMG and she goes, bad dog, and just starts <laughs> laying into the Cerberus because he didn't die the first time. I mean, it's no filling my dark soul with light, but, you know, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Fill my dark soul with light. <laughs> hands down, the worst bit of voice acting I've ever heard in a game. <laughs> yeah, but it's just great. It's great, but it's it's so bad. I'm trying yeah. to, hold on, I, there's there's a quick video here that breezes through, because there were a couple other really, really neat bosses that, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, yeah, I don't know. They're so cool. The, They're really, the, the shinobi, really. The Shinobis were kind of a boss. The ninja they robots. They were pain in the ass, because you, you had to tell all of your teammates, hey, like, focus your fire on these guys in order to hit them, because they were so fast. What about the one where you had to... Oh, no, we already talked about the We had to climb up the tentacles that were electrified. The Iron Raptor was a flying one, which uh, you fought, like, in the docks. Yep. That was quite cool. Um, I don't think there's any more, really. There's quite, I, a, co- there's quite a cool bit where uh, Kane hacks a, um, one of the big robots and you get to use it. Oh, yeah. the yeah. With the missile launchers and all the teams coming in? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I will... I'm going to double down and say that this is a game that you have to play. It's just one of those one of those games in history that flew so far under the radar and it was not deserved in any sense of the imagination. This game should have received a lot more fanfare than it did. Well, this is the thing and I came into it like thinking I have I've probably heard of this before but never really even thought about playing it before and this is kind of the beauty of our show sometimes we play these games and they're kind of they are exceptional but they've been lost to time because yep. enough people didn't buy them i mean sometimes we go the other way and we play some right dross like but yeah you know, so, but honestly eric I, I really enjoyed this and i'm very glad i played it uh, i'm so glad that you enjoyed it i was i i wish tom would have been able to chat with us about it because i was really excited to get his take on uh on the story because the story is really up his alley he likes that you know futuristic robotic uh type setting but uh, hopefully he finishes it there's a there's another game that was given away on xbox live uh games with gold last month that i'm i kind of want to dip into i'd never heard of it and came out on 360 and ps3 called hydrophobia never heard of that one did you claim it it was free probably yeah looks really really neat very very heavy into the water physics um mediocre-ish reviews but you know right around the same review scores as binary domain so i'd 
definitely definitely give that a crack. It's just it's neat to look back at, at some of these franchises now that most of the library of the PS3 and 360 is opened up to the show. I think I mean, we're gonna start I mean to... Eric, I would love to play that, but you know, Elden Ring. So Elden, Elden Ring. Not happening, sorry. I know. I know. Do we have any questions, Dan? Uh yes, we have a few. Uh, Dalton of Sutor says, Primo work on the graphic as always, Dan. If uh, you'd like to check out my graphics, you can go to the Factory Sealed Facebook community. Why does uh, that face fit everything? I don't know, but I'm so happy you did that photo years ago. It's brought me immeasurable joy over the years. <laughs> God. For those who've never seen it before and aren't on the Facebook community, I have been photoshopping the same photo of Eric into everything for about the past five, six years now. And well, every- no, it wouldn't have been... This face I we did at Sedona, so that was from 2019. Okay, right. So three, three, four years. Um, yeah. And uh, I've been photoshopping the same photo of him into everything. I, so every time we do a new show announcement, I photoshop Eric's head into the game box of that thing. And it just fits so well into everything. <laughs> Certain ones which I've struggled with, like cartoon ones, they're, they're the tricky ones. But like yeah. ones like this where it looks like a burly dude, perfect. <laughs> anyway um so check those out uh dalton sudor says seeing as how this game was made by the yakuza team and everyone seems to be giving it a hearty pip pip you think sometime we will get a yakuza game for the show now i would say i would love to do that but yakuza games are so long even the original ones i'm not sure about the originals but i'm not sure if they're as good as the modern ones i've played uh, the remake of the first one, which is Kawami, and I've played the prequel, which is Zero, and I've played Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yakuza Kawami, huh? Yeah, which is great. It's such a good game, but it's really long. It's, it's 17 hours. It's not. Oh, focusing on main objectives. Yeah, it's really not. Uh, so my questions that aren't about this game, Dalton says, Dan, have you played any of the older Star Ocean games? I have not I have only played Star Ocean The Last Hope, which I very much enjoyed. You need uh, but, to play First Departure, and I've talked a ton about it on the show. Yeah, and he said, I think you'd really enjoy the Switch version of one or the PS2 one Star Ocean till the end of time and the second game. And he's got a question for you, Mr. Peterson, as well. Have you considered playing Star Ocean Second Evolution? It's a remake of the PS1 game on PSP. Just curious. Yes, I have it, and I started it after I finished uh, First Departure, and I discovered that I wanted to hold off on that because I was a little burned out on it at the time, so I will play it eventually, yes. Cody Halverson and his glorious hair are here with a question, and he says, I know nothing about this game, but those look like some beefy boys. So, my question is, which one of the hosts would win an arm wrestling match? I will need evidence to back this up. I think we would all lose. I don't, I don't think there's any winners in that. I imagine we'd all smash we're our all, arms or something. Yeah, we're all pretty lean. I could be strong like Bull when I want to be. Mm, no. You'd I win can't. because... Your hair adds extra weight to your arm. Okay. Yeah, there is quite a lot. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) Dan, did you get an extra special feeling playing as a Dan? Are there there any famous Dans in video games? What about Eric's? And yes, Phil, I've already addressed this. I did get a special feeling as playing as Dan. It was very, very strange, but also very, very immersive and very cool. 
I can't. The only Eric characters that I can think of are obviously Eric Cartman from the South Park games. Is that and is, then there's is, uh, Prince Eric from Little Mermaid. Is there's Dante and Devil May Cry? That, that does count? not count. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! There's a game called Dy- Dynamite <laughs> Dan for the ZX Spectrum. Dante? Dante? You've said some dumb stuff in your day. <laughs> but that's pretty clever. Thanks. Eric, er, Eric the Unready is an adventure game developed and published by Legend Entertainment for the MS DOS in 1993. Is that based on you? Look at that box art. Holy crap, that's awesome. That even looks like my face. Eric, give me a second. No, I just, I'll paste it in here for you. Look at that. <laughs> I am so photoshopping that when we're done with the show. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Zach Vasquez says, Eric's face looks like he almost likes where the marine on his back is placing his hands a little too much. Yeah, yeah see it. buddy. Is there a Sega franchise that you gentlemen would like to see make a comeback or revival in the future? Um, I think. I mean, a good Sonic game would be nice. What about Crazy Taxi? I don't know if it would work nowadays. I, I think it would come out and it wouldn't do well. Hmm. Mm. Like I feel like a lot of Sega's things have continued on. Frogger. We what? need an th- open world 3D Frogger game. <laughs> oh, Jet Set Radio. I liked Jet Set Radio. Gunstar Jet Heroes Radio. as well. What's that? Gunstar Heroes as well. Yep. Was uh, um What was the what was the one on the Dreamcast that was online? I don't know. Fantasy Fantasy Star Online? Is that See, still the, the, is that still around? Um I don't know. Fantasy Star could probably be due a comeback. I mean, there's there's kind of a resurgence of old like arcade games, like Streets of Rage and um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are coming back and stuff like that. So I could see the kind of those old Sega 2D games making a comeback, like Shinobi or Golden Axe and stuff like that, if they wanted to do those. That'd be fun. Those kind of style. Uh, I mean, but there's lots of Sega properties still going, like Persona and Streets of Rage is back. Uh, the Yakuza series is still going strong. Alex Kidd, that really died, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I definitely don't want back Altered Beast. That game is shocking. That game is just crap. It's so bad. Anyway, uh, so also a suggestion for a future game to play on the show, since it's been more than 10 years, would now be considered Retro. Darksiders. It's like if Zelda and God of War had a baby, but the baby wasn't born fuck ugly. Highly recommended uh, and a hearty pip-pip. I do like the Darksiders games. I've played two and three, I think, but never the original. I think they did a remake of it. Hmm. Wasn't Didn't that game have a remake with a really, really stupid sub-moniker? You know how they have like the Red Faction remastered? Yeah, it's the War Mar- Warmastered edition. Oh, yeah, yeah, terrible. 
Jonathan Weavor says, This game had a lot of super cool enemies. Which one would you least want to fight in real life, and which one was the coolest to you? Ooh. I would I pro- say... I probably wouldn't I... want to fight the, one, the spider that was as big as a skyscraper. The gorilla. As, we, as we've just gorilla. discovered, we could barely win an arm wrestling match. We aren't going to be winning against a giant spider. No. 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 Not when it's no. got rockets. No. Like, I can do a deadly fart sometimes, but I don't think that's good against robots. I don't want to fight the gorilla. Uh, <laughs> no. Who was your favorite character and why? His was Fear, because she's hot. But mine Kane. was Kane. Because <laughs> he's just down, Kane. hilarious. Uh, favorite boss battle for me, probably the roadie for me, even though I died on my first go. Uh, favorite boss spider. was... What's the spider. That? Yeah, the, I like spider. the spider. I'd say the spider as well. If you met the love of your life and found out she was the child of a scrapper, would you marry her? What if she was a scrapper? Can still reproduce. Ooh. I'm not bothered. As long as she got a good personality, I'm in. Well, it's a programmed personality. I think the first question's easier than the second one. The second one's like, oh, well, you're actually a robot. It's all right. I think at some point down the line, we're going to probably get to that. I mean, we're talking like hundreds of years. Yeah, binary domains basically predicting the future. (laughs) Yeah. And it'd be interesting well, to see if it like people don't do say like no you can't make a robot that looks like a human because haven't they seen Terminator that never works out. Well, they some of the like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and all those people said that you know the the thing we should be the most afraid of in our current lifetime is artificial intelligence mm-hmm. because you know there's going to be and again not disparaging anybody. Uh, revolving around like equal rights and all that stuff i think that that's that's fully great but you know that there's going to be that group of people that come out and be like well they have rights too it's like, but do they like yeah it's, it's a robot it's a moral it's a moral question that we'd have to just because it's like and it's so many people have touched on this way better than we ever could but it's that is it life or is it perceived life? You know, just because you've personified something, does that make it human? And it's a real slippery slope. And you know there's going to be that loud vocal group of people that are like, they just want to, they just want rights too. Robots well, have feelings too. We made you to clean our dishes and scrub our toilets and make it so I don't have to go to work. And then is that the question? Is that slavery? If they're self-aware? Are they self-aware, though, or is it a perceived self-aware? I don't know. I, I'm not intelligent enough. I can barely function my own brain. Never mind think about robot I'm brain. I'm not even sure I'm self-aware. <laughs> I've been thinking this for years. <laughs> uh, Next. And finally, for questions, we have Mr. Hesley Haddy, and as normal, he has questions uh, hey guys this game was designed by somebody who loves the terminator movies with the transformers movies this game is amazing even after 10 years my questions are i know we won't experience this in our lifetimes but would you live in a world where humans and robots coexist we've just kind of touched upon this already so yeah so i don't think we need to go on in there. uh thoughts on the steam deck are you getting it what's your dream handheld system that you want to get so i was waiting for the reviews on the steam deck to come out because here you have 
a company that's never made a computer, they've never made a video game console, releasing a computer video game console. And in theory, it sounded really cool. Like That's going to be fucking fantastic. You've got your lineup of almost all of your Steam games going back a decade plus. So on paper, it has the largest launch lineup of any console ever released. And then the reviews came out like, I need one. 100% I need one. I'm absolutely going to be getting one. Um, I just need to uh, pre-order one. And now that people have like cracked it open and started emulating on it, it's absolutely unreal. It It is technically a handheld computer, so there's going to be some hiccups with it. Not all games run perfectly, and it takes a little bit of time to get things flowing properly. But yeah, the, the game is, or the, the console is just unreal. Um, and it's not really that expensive. I know everybody was saying, well, it's only $50 more than the switch oled because it's 399 but if you look at the stats like don't waste your money on that one because it comes with the emmc memory which is significantly slower than the nvme so spend the extra money and get the even just the lower nvme model but um yeah long story short i'm i'm 100 getting one i just need to get one pre-ordered my dream handheld console is essentially that because people are emulating all the way up to like PS2 games on it effectively. So, yeah, that. Yeah, my handheld would be that, like kind of anything that plays everything you need, kind of emulation-wise. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say never, but right now the Steam Deck doesn't really interest me. Well, I've what just was got, interesting I've just got the PS5 and the Series X, so they're fine for me for now. What's interesting is I've been kind of on the fence about wanting to pick up the OLED Switch, because I, I haven't seen them. I, I saw them for a while. I'm like, yeah, I never bought one. And then I kind of got it in my head like, oh, I kind of want one. And yesterday I was reading reviews about, no, it was Friday. I was reading reviews about the Steam Deck. I'm like, oh, man, I really want that. And then I went to the store and saw the Switch OLEDs. Crap. But had I not read the reviews of the Steam Deck, I probably would have picked up a Switch OLED just to have a, a better handheld and give my Switch to the kids. But um, I'm very surprised you haven't got one already, to be honest. I stopped and thought about it. Like, I don't really play a ton of Switch games anymore. You stopped and thought about it? Yeah. Bloody hell. It hurt. hurt. (laughs) That's going back to him not being (laughs) self-aware. So that's it for questions. If you want to join us on the Facebook group, it's facebook.com slash groups. That's Factory Sealed podcast. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash Factory Sealed a donation of one single dollary do gets you access to our factory sealed unwrapped which is the time before the show starts where we pretend to be getting ready and instead just talk shit for anywhere from 60 seconds to 60 minutes um just depending on how sidetracked we get yes uh, i'd like to put out a little request if you are listening to the show and you haven't let us a review on left us a review on anything like uh, iTunes or Spotify or whatever, please do it because we haven't had any new ones for quite a while. It has been quite a while. It Our, has been uh, quite a while. Yeah. Spotify's sitting at, at a good number right now, so just pop in there. Even if you don't listen to us on Spotify, if you go in, select an episode and go mark as red, then you're able to leave us a review score. So pop in there. Um, that really helps. Our metrics come very heavily when we track it from iTunes and from Spotify. So... Uh, we do know that a lot of people listen on there, and the better the ratings, the more people we're going to 
gonna reach but um what is have we decided on what's next or not no we have not because what were what were some of the games that you had had kicked out uh let me go to the factory sale planner my friend so right now after buying rudy domain you've put down evergris yeah but we didn't like that wasn't a thing anymore okay so pin off Evergrace. I for my selections I have put down Jack Two. Oh yeah. Uh, Lost Planet, Dark Souls, and Simpsons Hit and Run. Okay, we haven't figured out which one's next. Don't know. We got a month to figure it out. Either way, I'll be in Toronto when we record the next show. So okay, that um, will be in person. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out and we'll put out the announcement on Facebook. Or if you're not on Facebook, you won't know. In which case, you will find out when the next shoe comes out. And we're going to be doing next weekend very, very tentatively, but also very strongly a side quest where we talk all things Elden Ring and maybe just a little smattering of Horizon in between. My body is Reginald! This episode of Factory Sealed is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon sponsors, with an extra special thank you to Zach Foley, Santos Lopez, Sarah Irvine, Jeremy Lucas, Samuel Chun, Miles Prower, John Weaver, Jordan Lawfrey, Stephanie, Thomas McGrew, Richard Cutras, Phil Gartside, Jason McGill, Haitani, Wes Rainey, Sholto, Dalton Suter, Mark Haddock, Colin Neblo, Juliet Breslin Romano, Gus Robin, Hesley Hattie, Elliot Hughes, Aaron Lanning, Brandon Meyer, Cody Halverson, Greg Plummer, Johan Vickerborn, Robert True, Julian Santuki, and J.H.